Just the other day, my family and I watched a documentary about uh, an Australian man who is obese. He's extremely obese. Uh, he's only 38 years old, yet when he get his health check done, based on all the indicators, all the health and all the liver function, all those kind of medical terms that I don't really get, based on that, his bi it says as a biological age, even though he's only 38, his biological age is actually 65 because he's obese and has a high risk of, uh, of all sorts of diseases, uh, from diabetics to uh, cardiovascular disease. So this documentary is about him seeking a healthier lifestyle, especially in eating. So he lives uh, by himself and he eats junk food all the time and all this kind of stuff that is easy and convenient for him. So he, part of the documentary then, he set out to Japan to, to see how Japanese eat, Japanese lifestyle. It's a very interesting documentary. And so, so he spent a bit of time there learning what they eat and, and that kind of stuff. And, and he, re he noticed this while he was in Japan that Japanese people are thin. And, and when you walk around, if you've been to Japan, if you walk around, you don't see fat people. You don't see fat and obese, especially obese people. You don't see them. And, but yet they're sumo wrestlers, the kind of the biggest people perhaps in the world were in Japan. So he's kind of intrigued. He's kind of interested in that. Like, what's, what's the difference between the ordinary Japanese and, and sumo wrestlers, especially in what they eat, what they consume? And it turns out they, these so big, you know, overweight, obese sumo wrestlers, they, they don't eat any different, uh, differently to the ordinary Japanese. The only difference is they eat a lot more. So the portion size is the difference, not what they eat. So in other words, they, they just eat a lot more to get big and, and maintain that kind of size to be a professional sumo wrestlers. Now, our, our world today has, has this problem of overeating, if you haven't realized. Um, according to, I did a, as part of this, I did a bit of a digging up and see actually how bad is this problem that we have with overeating and obesity. According to the World Health Organization, in, this is a few years ago now, in 2016 data, it says that more than 1.9 billion adults in the world were overweight, 1.9 billion, and over 650 million of these people were obese. This is in the world. How about in Australia? This is only a few years old. This is 2017-2018 data. It is estimated that two in three, all right, two in three adults in Australia, that it's uh, anyone above 18 years old, that is 67% of adults in Australia were either overweight or obese. This is in Australia where we live right now. 67% were either overweight or obese. And children are not doing so well either. In, in Australia, it is estimated one in four children and adolescents, uh, this is under 18, they were either overweight or obese. 25%, one in four. So two in three for adults and one in four for children. See, 
as as we as a society as we get more creative more advanced uh, with our food you know with food technology and stuff we, we become better at making food tastier uh, better at preserving food to stay longer in our pantry or even in our fridge uh, what does this mean is that we have access to food all the time 24 hours a day you can wake up in the middle of the night and you can consume food uh, and you don't have to work very hard to get your food you just really literally a few steps to your fridge or pantry and and gobble up food right so um, we, we have access to food 20 easy access to food 24 hours a day convenient and we so we live in this time where uh, we, we to overeat is extremely easy uh, and we become bigger and fatter by the year and not healthier um, we don't get healthier you see, we live in this time at the moment, this year 2020, uh, the year of pandemic, COVID-19 pandemic, yet oftentimes we don't realize, even ignore, that we have been in this obesity pandemic, overeating pandemic for a lot longer time, and where people are getting sick and dying of various diseases, right? So sometimes we're so focused on one thing and we forget on, on another thing. And, and there are people who are expert who and focus on this kind of problem as well, like overeating, obesity, and all these kind of associated diseases that come with overeating and obesity. Uh, they're so focused on that, and they, they ignore the other kind of problems that we have. What I'm going to talk about today is about eating, about food. It's about um, our obsession with overconsumption. In John 6, Right. Well, this is related to our passage. Okay, I'm I'm gonna preach from the word, so don't don't get don't be worried. Uh, I know some of you start to get nervous that I'm gonna talk about your your weight rather than the word of God. So I'm not gonna do that. All right. Uh, so in John six, in John chapter six, we've been looking at John chapter six for a couple of weeks now. This is our third week, and there's a couple more weeks to go on on John six. But so far, we've seen how Jesus fed the five thousand men. That total about five, maybe ten or fifteen thousand adults with five loaves of barley bread. They ate to their fill until they're full and can't eat anymore, and yet they're twelve basket full of um, leftover. And did you realize that uh, people overeat? People get obese because when they eat, they are not satisfied. They want more. They want more. But when Jesus, when Jesus feed the 5,000, they ate to their fill to, until they're full and cannot eat no more. They're fully satisfied and there's still more to go. There's still leftovers. You see, the message is this, that, you know, um, only in Jesus that we can find satisfaction and not overeating. And only in Jesus. Notice I say only in Jesus, not only from Jesus. Uh, there's a huge distinction there because we, just like the crowd that we will, sh we will shall see here, they want something from Jesus, but not something that is in Jesus. There's a huge difference in that. So three things we're going to look at today. Food that we seek, the first thing. The second thing, food that we need. And finally, and how, how do we get it? Okay, food that we seek, food that we need, and how do we get it? Okay. Pretty simple. Now, food that we seek. So by this time, our passage today comes from John 6, 20, 20 to 40. 
So by this time, and in John 6, 2020, uh, John 6, 22, actually, uh, the crowd has personally witnessed the miracle of, of the feeding, the, the miraculous sign, uh, the feeding of 5,000. They, they witnessed that. They, they personally witnessed that. And this is important as well. The testimony of this is important. You know, how do you know when uh, that a testimony is true? Is when you have witness. And Jesus makes sure there's many, many witnesses there. Okay, there are a lot of witnesses there that this is truly happening. And, and the crowd that following Jesus from this passage today, from John 6, verse 20 onwards, uh, 22 onwards, it's clear that um, they already enjoy it. They already personally ate the bread, the sign that Jesus gave them. And now they're following Jesus, right? The, the crowd were following Jesus. Let me read for us uh, just a few verses to get us started from verse 22 to 26. And on the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples and that his disciple had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And notice what Jesus answered. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Uh, so this is where there's a distinction between uh, getting your fill uh, in Jesus and or from Jesus. So what they want is from Jesus, you know, the food from Jesus rather than the food that is in Jesus. So that's the distinction here. However, there's another interesting thing. If you've been paying attention, Jesus say, you are seeking me not because you saw signs. Now, if, if you remember, if you recall earlier, at the beginning of John 6, in verse 2, it says, this is John that writes, and a large crowd was following him because, the reason they follow me is because they saw the signs. So they saw the signs. Yet Jesus here say, you are seeking me not because you saw signs. Do you see that? that? That is interesting, isn't it? So on the one hand, the crowd saw the signs. Yet at the same time, they did not really see the sign. What does it mean? Well, it means this, that they did not see the sign <clears throat> for what the sign signifies. They see the sign, they saw it, but they did not understand it. They did not understand what the sign meant what the sign signify see we we are hungry people uh, we are constantly want new things this this crowd want new things from from jesus and they follow him and they want more they want more of this from jesus and and it is becoming a pandemic that we this uh, notion of wanting more 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 right something new and, and this is not just them, this is us too, in living in the 21st century. Um, 
when, when we live in such a way, Jesus said, you see the signs, but you don't really see it. We don't understand what it means to be followers, to be disciples of Jesus. We saw him, but we did not really see him. We did not understand. It's a pandemic. Um, see, ma marketing people, if you're in marketing and advertising, we, we study this. We know about this, uh, this quote-unquote desire or almost uh, addiction in every human being. And they exploited it. They, they, they capitalized on it, right? Now, Apple, for example, the company, the, the tech giant Apple, releases new iPhone every year. Do we need new iPhone every year? No. One camera is not enough. They, they add another camera, now phone with two cameras. And then two cameras is not enough. They add three cameras. How does it, when, when, when it's going to end? The whole phone's cameras, 20 cameras on the phone? Is that when it's going to end? Uh, every year they release new iPhone. Why, why do they do that? Why, why people keep buying them? Because they want new things. They want latest gadget. The old ones no longer make them happy. Uh, especially when the new one is out, they're no longer satisfied. And, and also another thing, when, b b before there was this kind of on-demand streaming services like Netflix, right, and many others, we, we would happily wait for a week, week by week, at a certain time to watch our TV show. We need to be in front of our TV, we watch that show um, for half an hour or an hour, and that's it, we gotta wait another week and we have to be there at the same time, same day. If, if we missed it, we missed it, right? If you, if you got something on on that day and that time, then you miss it and then you just have to watch the next one uh, the following week. But today, we, we have, uh, you know, 24 hours access to movies, uh, to TV shows that we cannot, we don't have to wait. We, we don't have to wait one episode this week and another episode that's what, next week. We, we just watch the whole season in one go, in one sitting. We, we consume, we binge, what we consume, we overconsume, uh, in a sense. Uh, we don't have patience anymore to wait. Now, the same with how we deal with relationship oftentimes. We jump from one relationship to another um, very quickly. Uh, we, we're no longer satisfied um, as before. Uh, the reason is because we, we, we are in this culture of um, impatience, we want something more, we want something new all the time, we want something flashy all the time, and we don't have the patience to work things out, uh, to struggle with things. Now, do not think that this is just the world problem. Uh, people who are not in the church, uh, the non-Christians who struggle with this, and if you've been listening to some of the examples, at least there are a lot more examples, but if you just, just the few examples that I mentioned, you realize that we're not exempt some of us perhaps are struggling with that as well. Um, but specifically, even in the church, in the church of God uh, today, in the church of Jesus Christ today, we, we brought that culture into our church as well. Um, do you know that um, what kind of church that gather most crowd that, that is the most popular today? Well, uh, I, I could see that there are three things there are probably more, but these are just a quick observation. There are three things that um, the kind of church that attracts a lot of crowd, okay? 
just like the crowd following Jesus, uh, for what Jesus can do, the first thing is convenient church. Convenient church are popular. Um, just like our fast food, we want our church to be convenient for us. We want a very fast service time. Any, any, anything that's over an hour is too long, right? It's like, oh man, this church is so long. It's so hard to find parking and everything is so difficult. We want convenience. Uh, we, wanna, um, we, we want church to have a short service time, easy to get to, even have, have options for us, multiple services for us. Right? You got a 7 a.m., you got a 9 a.m., you got a 11 a.m., you got a 2 p.m., you got a 6 p.m., you got a Saturday, you got a Sunday, uh, you got the contemporary, you got the traditional, you got the young, you got the old. We, we want all these different kind of options for us to suit our needs. We want convenient church. Uh, uh, we want, the second thing is a flashy church. Flashy church attracts crowd. Flashy church church that is cool, uh, just like the new iPhone, the old is no longer cool enough, you know, oh, that's, that's old school church, I want a kind of new, vibrant kind of church, flashy church attracts crowd, we want the new iPhone all the time, and the last thing I want to mention just quickly, uh, by no means these are definitive, by no means, I'm, I'm trying to generalize a little bit here, however, uh, there's some truth in this, right, entertaining church is the last thing I want to mention today, is that our church has to be fun. We bring that culture of entertainment in church. Our church has to be fun, um, just like our, our shows, like our Netflix. See, those are the food we seek in the world and we brought in into the church as well. See, while they are the food we seek, they are not necessarily the food we need. We will get hungry again and we will want more and more. Uh, watching two shows in one sitting is no longer enough. We want to watch three shows in one sitting. Having an option of five movies, you know. Back in the days, I remember to be, to be able to go to Blockbuster. Some of you don't even know Blockbuster. To, to be able to go to Blockbuster and, and rented five DVDs and before DVDs there, uh, VHS, uh, to be able to rent five new releases. It's like, whoa, you know, I've got so many options. That's no longer enough, right? We now have thousands upon thousands of options from our couch. And even then, we, we can't seem to find what we want to watch, right? We, we browse up, browsing one show after another. We just can't find what we want to watch. We want options and we, we never be satisfied. Uh, those are the food we seek. Yet, the Bible tells us those food will not satisfy. Those food are not the food we need. See, with technology advancement, uh, it's a good thing. I'm not against technology advancement. It's a good thing and, and has definitely helped our society uh, to be a better society. It gives us convenience. Uh, it increases our productivity. Um, even, even for the church, for the spread of the gospel, we wouldn't even be able to do this uh, in COVID-19 where we can't meet in person and, and gather together with our technology. So technology is a good thing. However, even with so much advancement in technology, in, in medical science as well, in medical field, uh, we must realize that while the medical advancement has managed to keep us uh, living longer, right? We, we, we can live a lot longer. However, the data that I look at shows us that we, we are not getting any healthier. We live longer, but we're not getting any healthier. Just look at the obesity and uh, cancer diseases, 
cardiovascular diseases, heart diseases. The data shows also that the mortality rate of humanity is still 100%. Out of all the advancement in the world, in technology and science, the mortality rate is still 100%. 100% of us will die. See, technology is good. It may, it may even be what we seek, but it's not what we need. We may seek the convenience uh, all, all these advancement has to offer us, but it is not what we need. And Jesus recognized this when, when he addressed the crowd that, that were following him Right, and this is, uh, and we're no different today. Many of us just as selfish, you see, like this crowd. Before we quit to judge these people, uh, we're no different to them a lot of times, and we are just as concerned with our own life, uh, what Jesus can do for us. We look for, we put our faith, um, uh, we believe in Christianity. We come to church, we put our faith in supposedly in Jesus, but actually we want something from. Jesus. We spend more time on health. We, um, we spend billions of dollars on, on health and diet and gym and exercising. Yet we're not getting healthier as a society. Something is not right, is it? We do all these things to get us healthy, but we are not healthier as a society. So, because those are what we seek, but not what we need. So they get us to the second point that help us to understand and see this, the food we need. It's our second point. See, the food that the world offer us is addic addictive. We want more and more and more and more and more. Uh, the reason is because they never truly satisfy us. We will want more, we, you know, we, we want more. In most cases, the more we have, the more we want, and they're killing us. This food, some of these quote-unquote foods, literally can kill us. And Jesus says this, and he offers this, uh, Jesus see, saw this in the crowd, and Jesus said this in verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal, our solution is for the food that perishes, that we want more and more and more. Uh, Jesus says, don't work for them. Do not labor for this food that perishes, that kills you. <laughs> See, not, not only that we work for them, we, we are obsessed with them. Our lives is full of obsession with these quote-unquote food that perishes. Jesus said, don't work for them. You know, some of us dedicated our, our entire life in possessing this food, in gaining this food that perishes. The focus, the most, uh, the focus of our lives is about getting this and, and obtaining this quote-unquote food. Uh, and in today's passage, we read one of the seven statements, Jesus I am statement. Ego emi, remember? So one of, uh, the first of the seven is here before us in verse 35. And this is Jesus, what Jesus is offering us in terms of food, for eternal life that endures for eternal life not perishes that will not kill us but give us life verse 35 jesus said to them i am ego eni, the bread of life whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me 
shall never thirst. Not only the food that Jesus gave us uh, is enough, it's in abundance, remember? That's why Jesus showed us this uh, sign of the feeding of the 5,000 with the 12 baskets left over. You will be satisfied because I am, Jesus said, the bread of life. And that is the food that we need. The message is clear. Jesus' message is clear that what you seek in this world naturally will, be, will perish, will lead you to death, will kill you. They will not satisfy you. Uh, but what you need, however, what you need is food that endures to eternal life. And you find that in me, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. So the question for all of us is this, this morning. Why are we then, as Christians, if you're Christians and you put, have put your faith in Jesus, why then are we still obsessed with the food that perishes? So before we quick to move on, we, I, I want us to stop a little, stop right here and think about this. Why, why am I still obsessed with the food that the world has to offer us, offer me, that will not satisfy me? See, some of you even perhaps thinking, no, I, I'm not like that, Pastor Ferdy, I'm, I'm not like that. Uh, maybe some of us are like that, but I, I am not like that. I do, I'm not obsessed with the food that perishes the food that the world has to offer us. Well, perhaps you are right. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, but perhaps also, um, you do not realize it, that you are obsessed and addicted to the food that the world is offering. Now, look, just way of testing and checking and uh, do a sense check in your life. Uh, look at how you spend your time and and. How do you spend it or who do you spend it with? Just look at your time. What do you do with your life? What do you do with your time? Okay. Do you spend it more on a, on a spiritual discipline or a physical discipline? Which, which is more important to you? To be healthy spiritually or to, be he or to be healthy physically? I'm not suggesting these are two different. Uh, it's a binary option. Okay? It's not like if, you, if you're concerned with spiritual matter, then you're not concerned with physical matter. No, I'm not saying that, but I just want to do a sense check here, in a sense. Are you more concerned with your spiritual health or with your physical health? Let's say you are not spiritually healthy. Let's say you're not reading your Bible, you don't have the desire to spend time in prayer. And at the same time, you know, you, your physical health is not so good either. You're getting sick. Getting slower or whatever it is that you are experiencing in, in a physical illness. Now, which one are you more concerned with? Which one are you going to address more urgently? Is it your spiritual unhealthiness or your physical unhealthiness? Perhaps it can, can show us what is important to you. Are you more obsessed with the food that the world has to offer or that you are satisfied? In Jesus. Another thing um, that we can sense check in this is this. Um, do you spend more time? Do you spend time? How much time do you spend on building relationship? Fostering relationship with, with you know, with, uh, with people. 
compared to spending time on your own hobbies or leisures. You know, some of us are extrovert, probably easier to do this than, than introverts. But it, nonetheless, this, this is principles that we can check, we can sense check our priorities, what we love, regardless of whether we're extrovert or introvert. Do you take time to host and cook for people for the sake of building relationship? Or that is just too hard, you say like, nah, I can't be bothered doing that. Um, I'd rather spend my own time, you know, my me time. Another thing, uh, do you still seek friendship? See, I, I know the older we get, right, um, especially you're older than me, you get to a point where you no longer want to seek new friendship. Now, why do we seek new friendship? Why is this important? Why is this kind of, uh, we can use this as a, as a, litmus test as a sense check because when we befriend new people it takes a lot of work yet by befriending people fostering new relationship we can be a blessing we can we can be quote unquote jesus to that person we can show jesus to that person that's why befriending new people fostering new relationship is so ever important there's never in our lifetime regardless of how old or how young you are where building or fostering and seeking new friendship is no longer important, no longer valid. This is one of the mark of, of, of sense check that we could use to see whether you still seek or obsess with the food that the world has to offer. Okay? Um, some of us Christians, or has been Christian for a long time, we, we satisfied with our circle of friends, our, our circle of Christian friends. And we no longer work hard at getting to know our neighbors, getting to know new people, making effort to bless them and to show Jesus in their life. See, all those things are hard, that's why we don't do them, right? It's easier to hang out with our own circle of friends, our own Christian friends that are like-minded. That's a lot easier because they come naturally and the opposite does not come naturally. Inviting your neighbor over, that's not natural. Uh, that's hard. So, and many of us, you know, do not gravitate towards all these things, right? Um, and the reason is, do you know why we don't, we, 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 we do not gravitate uh, towards them well because we seek the food that we want what is good for our flesh rather than the food that we need we seek the food that we want not the food that we need see we are distracted you see we live in this distracted world uh, by what we want and miss the point and miss what we need when we are so distracted by what we want we will miss what we need Jesus say you do not understand to this crowd. You do not understand the sign you saw. And that is the reason you seek or labor after the loaves, the bread, the food that perishes. And the reason for that is because you saw the signs, but you do not understand. You don't get it. So how do we get it? Okay, that leads us to our final point. How do we get this? How do we get this food, this bread of life? that will endure to eternal life, that will not perish, that will not kill us. Instead, that will give us eternal 
life. And that's what the crowd wanted to know as well. Do you see that? Uh, the crowd wants to know that and they ask Jesus as well in verse 28. They say to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them. In verse 29, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Whom he has sent. Um, did you see that? Did you see what they asked Jesus? What did they ask? What must we do? That's interesting. Uh, because this is like like many of us, right? When when I explain all these things, what you what we often tends to have in our mind that we're questioning and we ask is what must I do? And that's what they ask Jesus. What must we do? And just tell me what to do and I will do it. I want that eternal life. I want that food. Just tell me what we must do. What must I do? See, we're obsessed with this because we want control. Uh, we want to be in control. We want to be in the driver's seat. We, we, we move from doing one thing to another. We just keep moving from doing one thing to another thing. We change from doing even sounds good, sounds spiritual, sounds holy. We're doing from doing worldly things, uh, doing worldly work to doing spiritual work. But that's still doing, you see. And the focus is still, what must I do? You know, I, I come from a, a professional life. I've been in, in professional life for, for a long time, for 15, 18 years before I moved into full-time ministry in, in the ministry of the Word and planted this church. And people may see, oh, you know, you're doing the right thing, Christians especially, you know, or thinking that, oh, you, you move from doing worldly job and that's, you know, that's not important. No, they're, they're important thing. Um, and then now you move to a spiritual work, you know, work of God that is more important. I would say, no, that's, that's not the point. The point is not doing and changing from doing one thing and doing another thing. That's not the point. That's not Jesus' point. So when they ask Jesus, what must we do? Jesus reply, you must believe. Not you must do this and that, but you must believe. So what is he saying? What does it mean? You see, we oftentimes we, we are more concerned with the work that we can do, even spiritual things, religious things, because we want to control. We want, to, we want this thing to be manageable for us. You see, we want it to be manageable for us. If it's manageable, then we can do it. Uh, so we, we do more and more. But Jesus answered them in this way. It is, no, it is not so much about your doing but your believing that matters. It is not so much about your doing, but your believing that matters. See, Christianity is always first about being and not doing. When your being is right, your doing will be aligned, will be right also. But the other way cannot be said to be true. If your doing is right, it does not necessarily mean that your being is right. We can fake it. We can fake our doing. This is why uh, determination and, 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 and motivation just to get healthy and to get fit and to get six-pack does not work. 
This is why it only worked for January to March every year. New Year's resolution. And then it fall off the agenda. Because we want to correct the doing without the being. Christianity always first about being and not doing. So the question that this crowd asks, what must we do, is the wrong question. Yet Jesus answered them gracefully with the right answer. Belief. Not do, belief. What does it mean for us? If you're Christians today, if you believe in Jesus today, what does it mean for you? It means this. Ask yourself this question. Do I have a personal relationship with Jesus? Or do I just know Jesus? I know Jesus. I know all his teaching. I know the Bible. I study the Bible. I even go to Bible college. But the question is not that. That's all you're doing. But how about your being? Do you have personal relationship with Jesus? Or you are just busy with your doing? See, this crowd, they, they embrace the doing. They want to embrace the doing because it's easier before they embrace the being. You know what happens if you uh, practice this, practice this doing without the being, if you're a Christian today especially, and some of you may have realized what will happen to you because you have experienced that. You know what will happen to you? You will be exhausted. You will be disappointed. You will run out of fuel. Some of you may even have tried to leave the church and leave the faith because you say, I cannot do this. This is just too much. This is just for nothing. The return of investment is just not worth it. That's what will happen when you focus on the doing, not on the being. See, I'm, I'm not saying uh, the doing is not important. What I'm saying is the doing will come when the being is right, when your believing is right, when you have a personal relationship with Jesus, then your doing will be right. I'm not saying that you should not ignore the doing. In fact, the Bible says if you have no fruit, if your doing is not there, you can say all you want about your relationship with Jesus, but the Bible will say that's all fake. You do not know Jesus. You do not love Him. All you're doing is fake. Um, faith in Christ is, is always from the inside out. It's never from the outside in. It's always from the inside out. When your inside, when your heart is transformed, then your external action will be transformed also. So the gospel, the truth of the gospel will always transform us from the inside out. You know why it's hard to live in this way? It is easier to live in the other way. Doing, doing, doing. Do you know why that's easier? Well, because doing is, uh, doing is manageable, as I said before. It's easy, it's manageable. We can, we can kind of control it. We can control it. And everybody does this, uh, not just Christians. Non-religious non people do this all the time. Uh, do you think that only you, uh, only us Christians who are generous? No. Perhaps the most generous group of people are not even Christians and do not know God or believe in God. But yet they're so generous. They give their money and their time to the poor. Why do they do that, do you think? Why do you think non-religious people 
are generous. They give to the poor so much more sometimes than Christians. It, they shouldn't, it shouldn't be, but the reality is they do uh, because they feel good about themselves when they do it. They feel good about themselves when they give to the poor, when they serve the poor. And then they, finally, they feel less selfish about themselves and then they finally uh, span on, on, a, on a ridiculously luxury holiday or, or buy ridiculously expensive or luxurious items for themselves. They can say, well, I deserve this. I've been good to the poor. I've been good to people. I've been generous. So I deserve this. I can enjoy this. They give for themselves. They give to the poor. They serve the others for themselves. Non-religious people. You don't have to believe in God to do that. They do that all the time. They do it for themselves. Um, and if you're religious, uh, you, you may, if, if you focus not on the being, if, if, if your doing is not come from being, and you likewise do the same thing. You would, you would spend time in prayer. You would serve in church. You will turn up every Sunday, you read your Bible, you pray, um, but you do it because you don't want to feel bad about yourself. You don't want to feel bad about being a, being a Christian who don't read the Bible or who don't pray or, don't, or, or who don't come to church. You don't want that. Uh, you do that for yourself and you say to yourself, I'm doing all these good things, Lord. Now God will bless me. Now God will bless me. God will protect me. God will give me health. God will now give me, protect me from my, you know, will give me a good family. My children now will grow up to be good kids because I do all these things. If that's you, then you're no different to those people who do not know God. Your doing is for yourselves. You're not less selfish than the non-religious people. You're just as selfish. You're doing it for yourself. Uh, see, when, when we do this, we become selfish. Um, and the result of this is we know we will not satisfy. We want more because we feel like we don't do enough. We always feel we, we are always inadequate. We haven't done enough. We want to do more. And we will run out of fuel. Because they're not real. Our doing is not real. When something bad happened to us, what what's gonna happen? If you even if you're Christian, if you're religious people, when something bad happened to you, you will curse God. You will say, God, you are so unfair. I've done all these things all my life, yet how come you give this sickness to me? How come this thing happened to my children? How come I lost my job? How come, how come, how come? So how do we get this food then? How do we get this bread of life that Jesus has to offer? Jesus said to them in verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Our being comes by coming to Jesus, by believing in Jesus. Verse 35, comes to me, believe in me. It's not do this, do that, do this, do that. It's it comes to me, believe in me. And verse 40, it says this. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Those 
who looks on me, Jesus said, looks on the Son and believes in him. So it's quite simple, isn't it? It's quite simple. And sometimes simple is hard. Jesus said, just look. Look to Jesus. Look to what he has done, what he has accomplished on the cross and believes. See, that is simple, but it's so hard. See, simple often is very hard. Um, because we want to work for salvation. We don't want it to be handed to us, right? We, we feel like, man, I'm still hopeless. It's feel like I'm being handed over salvation. I don't want that. I want to work for salvation. Um, I want to make it like I earn it. That's why to just look and believe, uh, it's so hard because our tendency of control and of doing things is like, Saying to us, no, you got to do something. But Jesus said, no, just look and believe. Simple is hard. And Tim Keller says this, uh, to become a Christian, all you need is nothing. Yet, most people do not have that. That is so true. And the Apostle Paul says this. Some of you, uh, I said it before that, we want to work for our salvation. We do not want to hand it over to us. And, and some of you may know this verse, familiar verse from the Apostle Paul that says this, Philippians 2, verse 12 to 13. I'm going to close with this verse. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now he said, there you go, work for salvation. No, 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 that's not what Paul says. The Apostle Paul says this, work out your salvation, not work for your salvation. Huge difference, huge difference, um, big difference. Now, Work out your salvation is not the same as work for your salvation because it says here, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is good works for it is God who works in you. God, not you. You don't work for your salvation. God works for your salvation. He works in you and both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God has given you salvation. All you need is to look and to believe, then you're working out your salvation. Your doing is coming out of your being. Knowing who you are, that you are the son and daughter of God no matter what. You don't earn it, yet you have it, and it is secure. You will not lose it, because God himself worked for your salvation, so that you don't have to work for your salvation anymore. You work out your salvation, because you know who you are. So our doing then must come from being who we are. Who are you? Are you a slave still who do and do and do to earn God's favor? Or you are son of God, daughter of God. And by being, you know, you're living out your Christian life. Our doing is not about getting favor, you see. Because you are the son and daughter of God, it's no longer about getting favor. It's no longer about earning our place in the house of God. Our position as son and daughter. It's not about getting favorite. Our doing is because we have eaten this bread of life. We have tasted the goodness of God. We have witnessed and looked upon Jesus and what he has done for us on the cross. 
and we have enjoyed all the benefits. We no longer seek for the benefits. We have enjoyed the benefits. And only then when we see this, when our doing comes from our being, only then when we see what Jesus has done and accomplished on the cross, and only then our doing can be joyful. Our doing can be joyful and the most satisfying things when, when you when you invite people into your life, when you seek new friendship, when you serve one another, when you cook and host, when your house becomes messy because you do this, you can do them joyfully because you know what God has done for you. Because all this doing becomes joyful and no longer a dutiful chores to earn favor that will burn us to the ground, that will exhaust us to death. So I want to invite us, all of us, to look to Jesus, to believe in Him. Now, if you're not Christian today, if you have not put your faith in Jesus, this morning, if God searched your heart, put your faith in Jesus. For He has done, He has worked for your salvation on the cross. All you need is to look, but yet look in His heart. Why don't you come? as we sing and we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.